Welcome to Take Note. This is what must be the 164th episode of our podcast, in which Adam and I get together, chat, share some stuff, all around the idea that that we're carrying little pocket notebooks around, carrying a pen around. I don't like to carry a big fancy pen around because I've been burned. I've been hurt (laughs) in the past. I've lost expensive pens that are very close to me still don't know where my caveco is it's been years now i digress uh we write stuff down in our notebooks uh and then we read them to each other i re- i am ted i read them to adam hello adam hey ted i uh looking at your caveco right here <laughs> oh ouch yeah just even the idea that that might be the case it's just a makes my orange blood boil. orange caveco no it's the wrong one okay that's my Kaveco that I can't find. It's gray and it's gone. Well, Ted, let's talk about what we wrote in our notebooks. So, you know, what do you got and uh, what did you write it with? And since you don't have the Kaveco, what what are you using to write in your notebook? All right. Well, since yeah, I, I have recovered, I fortunately am surrounded by other alternate writing utensils. And when one goes down, I'm, I don't have to... Uh, Car, wait till a tree near me is struck by lightning in order to find a writing utensil. But this is in my uh, my field notes, uh, rainbow charred edition of the old harvest, uh, which again feels appropriate for the season, which is nice. These are kind of these are more seasonal than a lot of them. Anywho, I wrote this with a Pilot G two, part of the rotating uh, daily daily carry. Okay, I was at. Uh, a parent meeting before school in the early morning hours, just discussing some sort of competition or something that was coming up, something you had to sign up for. A bunch of parents gathered in a room listening to a teacher. Uh, over the loudspeaker, dong, 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 the Pledge of Allegiance begins. At which point I looked around the room and thought to myself, who among these parents is going to walk the walk and actually stand up and put their hand over their heart when the Pledge of Allegiance is read. (laughs) We all, of course, uh, put up with our children being forced to do this. 40% of the room stood up. I would have bet more. Quickly recited the Pledge of Allegiance. It was not an overwhelming number. It was sort of... It was a a wellspring. It was like an inspirational moment where one... (laughs) One parent stood up, and I kind of thought, like, "Oh, okay, well, we're doing this, I guess." And a few, you know, a few here and there. It wasn't. It was. It was far from universal, but uh, I was. There was no way I was going to recite the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> I've got to imagine that the farther you get from a major metropolitan area, <laughs> or from okay. a from a city, the more people are going to stand up. Um, because I think, I mean, I'm just in suburban Chicago, and I think it would have been everybody in the room. To make sure that they, I, I, I think some part of it when you're there, the I mean, a combination of respect ut- for the flag and social pressure. Well, there was no flag. We were in the teacher's oh, lounge. Oh, okay. I mean, social pressure maybe, but this this thing was delivered with such utilitarian uh, expedition expediency. 
it just started happening. There was no, all right, let's prepare for this moment when we, had, it just started happening. And I think, I think we saw people's true character come out. We saw the, the stander-uppers who were going to realize that they were supposed to be standing up and uh, the, the remain sitter-downers. Uh, it, it mostly, it just caught me off guard and I found it fascinating to be in that very specific setting. And of course I thought about all our children that we, uh, that we indoctrinate with, without much contemplation and they have to do this every single morning. And then you get a bunch of grownups to have to do the same thing. And I'm sitting here writing about it in my notebook and talking about it here. Um, so let me tell you the strange place my mind went to when I was imagining the decision about that you were making and your room was making about whether you're going to stand up and read the pledge, not read the pledge, recite the pledge. Um, I was thinking about the first time I saw Bob Dylan uh, in, let's say the year 2000, I believe in Northampton, Massachusetts, but it was not Bob, the Bob Dylan part of the show. It was Natalie Merchant opened up the show sure. and my buddy Arish and I got, um, subway sandwiches from the subway in the like um, in the little mini arena I think it was Northampton it was definitely western Massachusetts and we sat there. I really like Natalie Merchant uh, that album Tiger Lily that came out when I was in high school was fantastic and I would listen to it over and over and over again just like all the other 16 year old boys um, <laughs> but anyway this was uh, five years later and um we were just scarfing down Subway sandwiches while we were listening to Natalie Merchant sing her heart out, and it felt wrong. And so I was just imagining. <laughs> it sounds wrong. Yep. And I was just imagining. It was like, I'm, 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 this is great. You know, I don't think Arish liked her that much, so it didn't matter. But um, to him. Uh, so I was just imagining, right, you're, there you are in Houston. The pledge comes on. 40% of the people... By the way, your story's a little weird. Uh, you described yourself as at a parent meeting for some sort of... Oh, it's these it's these academic competitions. Yeah, but you didn't want to say that. For some sort of competition. You were being cagey about oh, it. We it's UIL. Does anybody know it? I don't Competition. Anyway. Not everybody cares about this. this I like the idea that 40% of the parents stand up and then you start eating like a like a foot long sub <laughs> a big old <laughs> grinder like you've got like yeah it's like you wanted to hide your admiration for natalie merchant and or the flag and so you grabbed a uh, sandwich that you brought along with you well but i love i love it but by that example i would really be enjoying the pledge of allegiance while also enjoying my sandwich. And I, that seems insincere to me. Okay. Uh, there's no way that I enjoy the Pledge of Allegiance as much as you enjoy Natalie Merchant. It's no. just not possible. Yeah, or, what do, or the BMT. Yeah. What do you got, Adam? All right. <laughs> I've written in my notebook. I mean, I did write in my notebook. I was at a parent meeting for some sort of competition as soon as you said it. But above that, I wrote in my notebook, <laughs> Blood Blister. <laughs> Because uh, last night, I, uh, I was laying down to read with my son, and we both noticed this mark on the on my finger, um, like the of like this this weird bloody dry mark. And when I ran my finger across it, it really it hurt, like it stung when I ran my finger across this. Um, and uh, I tried to 
I licked my other finger and tried to kind of rub it off, and it wouldn't rub off. Um, and I, I got up very suddenly, and I don't know, I exclaimed something, because uh, my wife came out of the room where she was to check on me, and I went to the to the bathroom, and I tried to run it under some cold water to see if it would come off. And she said, oh gosh, I wonder if that's a blood blister. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> she said it's it's brown but sometimes they are brown and i didn't i didn't know it was brown you know because i'm colorblind i think i've mentioned that on the show once or twice um <laughs> and uh so then i started to feel faint um oh yeah and um then uh, she she told me to lay down so i went back and i laid down with my son what if she had if she had told you it was if she had told you it was neon pink would you have felt better or worse do you think well, would that have prevented the faint feeling? No, I I thought it was red, um. So, the, but the brown the brown didn't mean anything to me. I, I wasn't thinking at that point. Um. Anyway, so I did laid you say, down. Did you say you mean a brown like the uh, the Jehirbin Shogun or more of a it could have been dash brown? Yeah. That's right. Um. So I laid down and she came by and she came with a washcloth and um. And it rubbed right off because what it was was it was the fudge shell that I put on my ice cream <laughs> um, earlier that night. And I, wow. the only reason I think it stung is because it kind of froze on my finger. I don't know. Um, or but I, it was just a just a just a total overreaction. Um, wow. Well, I I mean I was listening to your story and I I I just got hung up because I felt like you were being real cagey mm-hmm. at a certain point. Yeah. You said <laughs> I exclaimed something. Yeah. And I wrote that I wrote that down because it stood out. I just thought, what's he hiding? What right. What did he exclaim and why can't he share it? I don't know. Um, Probably hope. So, yeah. Hope me. <laughs> um, I'm I'm using a Field Notes Harvest too. It's the uh, Orleans Renee Apples one, and I'm writing with a Micron, a Pigma Micron 0.5. Okay, in in what color? Blue. Black, you think? I think blue. it's, well, I mean, who can say? Blood, it's, <laughs> it's blood blister blue. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've got these Pigma Microns out, actually, because I purchased a my first 2023 planner of 2022. Uh, <laughs> I, I got a text from my wife who gets, I think she gets the Baron Fig emails a day before I do. I don't know how that's possible, but uh, that they, must hurt. Yeah. They put out the planners, the confidant planners, and there's one in a dark blue that they call, Oh yeah. They call it midnight blue, um, blood blister blue. Um, <laughs> there's, there's one in the dark blue and, uh, so she texted me, new, new Baron Fig planners are out. And uh, last year, I tried to get the special edition color. I don't remember what it was. Um, and when I got the email, like it must have been the second or third email about it, and they had sold out in between me getting the email and pulling the trigger. So I, wow. I bought this midnight blue planner right away, and I texted my wife, and I thanked her. And I said, last year, I missed the special color, uh, but I just ordered it, so I'm going to get it. And her response was now this will, this is going to seem cagey because I don't have the text in front of me, but her response was what do you what do you mean oh I, no I was I was sending it to you. I was going to buy it for myself because it's a nice it's a nice color so I yeah. I stole her thunder 
and uh well you now you gotta just gotta give it to her i offered to she's gonna get loitstrom or something or also i pointed out <laughs> that my planner is in my office or my backpack we're never gonna mix them up it wasn't gonna be a problem um but yeah so i got this planner i really like this planner i use the like i said i use this the 2023 one it's nice to write in and the pigma micron is really good for it well now it's 2023 you say yep but we're here does it does it no it doesn't it doesn't. How's so I'm still using my 2022 planner, except oh, I see. I had okay. briefly lost it for a couple weeks. It turned up today. Um, I see. Uh, but no, I use it for 2023. I started. There's a bunch of blank pages at the back. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess I should talk about it. There's a there's like a month overview pages. There's week by week pages. I use the week by week pages. Um, you know, I write down the three things I'm going to try to get done each day at the beginning of the day in there. That's a really good way to, I don't know, to focus on the important things in, in your workday. So that's, that's mostly what I use it for. I don't write, I don't Which, like now, say I've got an appointment in this or anything like that. I don't use it for that. Oh, I see. Okay. And then there's that a notebook in the pack. It, that makes it seem sustainable if you're not like trying to recreate your online calendar if you're actually using it as kind of a like a task list sort of thing that's yep i mean that's exactly what i do i i sit down and it the the ideal is that i just write those three things you know sometimes it's more than three things but the things that i really want to get done that day down first thing in the morning um and then you know if there are things from the day before that i didn't get done they're still on there they're not crossed off yet that's the ideal and then sometimes things start stacking up and you start writing more and more things down i try not to do that i actually use a different baron fig product the little um notepads i'm gonna find the name for them that have like the week at a glance on them they're uh they call them mastermind week pads week pads they look like they should be sticky but they're not it's just like a little notepad that's got monday to friday on them and saturday it's got a little corner for saturday nothing for sunday um and and that's if i've got events for the for the what, week that's what I tr- what's wrong with our country these days there's nothing for sunday nobody, nobody's oh i thought it was that nobody's working on sunday yeah that's right nothing for oh, sundays yeah. yep um that's where i write that's nothing for sundays was also one of my favorite tracks on on natalie merchant's album tiger lily that's right. That's nothing, a good nothing for some little known B side. That's a good song. That's a good. Uh, well, I didn't know you were such a, a, a Baron Figsman. I feel like you've been uh, you've been a little quiet about this proliferation of of BFs in your your toolkit. Yeah, but I'm uh, intrigued. I'm intrigued by your usage. I mean, I you know when I get fired up and I need to, I'll kind of do that same thing. Uh, you know, set my like. Th- priorities for the day but i like the idea of tying it to a an actual calendar configuration and making it about the day and not just a random list yeah i the thing about the baron fig it's the same it's the same as their confidant notebook it's this cloth bound cover planner's got the same thing so the only issue with that is that cloth bound cover if you're using it for a year really does get dinged up um but i like the feel of it and i like the look of it for sheer like utilitarian you put that aside the loitch term is maybe better and i Mm. but i don't know that i've ever used the loitch term planner i've definitely used a loitch term before and i liked it (laughs) um (laughs) i've always i mean the feel of the baron figs are fantastic yeah 
Yeah. Toothy, clothy, flat laying. I've never been as drawn to the Lloyd's term uh, aesthetically or tactilely. Yeah. But of course they're good, I mean. They are. They just have kind of a, I mean, it's not rubber, but like a rubbery, more rubbery sort of cover. I've been trying to use, I'm looking for an opportunity. I've been working with the Baron Fig people for a while, by which I mean occasionally uh, I've asked them to get their um, corporate gift prices, and then they dutifully follow up. And I keep saying I'm still working on it, but I would like to give them away as like a, a convention giveaway. They are, you know, for like a higher end gift because the, sure. they do those Baron Fig notebooks with that cover. I think they've got kind of like a wow factor. Um, yeah. When you when you see them, like so, if as as something you might be given at a convention, I think it's actually something you would hold on to and want to use in the future. You know, this reminds me of. Uh at my workplace some sort of initiative or something created notebooks with a a cover and it was you know if you told me it was a baron fig confidant like intentional knockoff i would believe you it's like the same size same form factor same kind of cloth bound cover but but it's a no-name brand but several of my colleagues absolutely fell in love with this thing Hmm. um you know if they used a baron fig they would probably fall in love with that too but they just happened to have this handed to them and and uh no one can figure out where they came from or what they are what brand or who they they tried to go to the people who produced them to say you know what are these can i get them in some different nobody has any clue it's just been sucked into the the bureaucratic vortex of the organization and uh now they're just i mean i even was like well i mean well you might try the uh baron fig company like a similar uh everyone just was like please stop talking i mean and that <laughs> makes that may, it makes sense you know oh let me recommend a 25 dollar replacement for the right right the free notebook that you like that like enriched your life you know coming out of nowhere it's it's far from being uh the same thing it sounds like that uh some sort of initiative something it sounds like that oh, totally non-cagey God. organization really hit it out of the park it was whatever it was <laughs> yeah uh the notebook is superior to the actual product that it was promoting i'll put it that way right uh, and i'll i'll leave it at that adam <laughs> <laughs> okay Sorry, I don't mean I don't mean to press you on it. Um, we we got a little feedback on last week's episode. It's surprisingly it's not in the Etsy email that I just accidentally opened. It's uh, it's two down. Uh, Bob Clark uh, mentioned that he was surprised that uh, we we'd found the the response to us taking out our notebook was that maybe some people said that it looked rude or at least less so than taking out their phone. He said uh, to, to him, someone typing notes on a phone looks like they're texting and not listening, while someone with a notebook looks like they're paying attention and wanting to remember what's said. And then he said, were you guys just trolling with that discussion? And uh, so, no, I don't think we were trolling at all. We were totally sincere. And I think, you know, the our point was that the notebooks 
which we would agree uh, probably appear to be like someone who actually is listening and wants to capture what's being said, that it's that, that maybe that doesn't come off as rude, but it's so atypical to what um to what most people are doing that the someone taking out their phone and writing a note on the phone in you know a fairly short amount of time that is just expected and just everyone being on their phone which is a little crazy i mean yes i'm not looking down on it because you know i think we even though i know i try to resist it i know that i do it sometimes just out of awkwardness it, it takes a lot actually i was at a I was at a halloween party this weekend and uh most of it was great, but there were there were stretches where I had talked to everyone I knew there, and they were talking to other <laughs> people at the time, and it's really hard. I was really making a point. I'm not going to take out my phone just to hide in it, but that's the norm. So I, that's what we were yeah. saying is that you can take notes on the phone on your phone, and you look like you look a little more typical for 2022 than yeah. you do if you take your notebook out. I yeah, I mean I you know. As I listened again to to Bob's message, I, the idea of taking notes when someone is speaking or you know delivering useful information, I think that's certainly one thing. And I think you you do appear to be engaged if you're you know let's say you're looking up and listening and then occasionally looking down and taking note. I think you know what you and I were perhaps referring to is. Uh, you know, let's say you've observed something or you're writing a little piece of fiction or you're you're kind of working on something and you you disengage from the world around you in order to write in a notebook, um, to write a longer note or something a little more thoughtful, not just jotting down a phone number or, uh, you know, an interesting factoid. That's what I had in mind when I was thinking the sort of what what might be off-putting about pulling out a notebook and kind of disengaging and appearing to just be engaged in what you're writing because that does happen to me. And I think I'm projecting <clears throat> that other might, people might perceive that as rude. It's certainly not something where anybody has ever said, my God, sir, how could you in this uh, Starbucks pull out? I, I don't think that at all. And I think a Starbucks would be somewhere. It wouldn't be rude in the slightest, obviously. But... Um, I, I was thinking more of that kind of disengaged, lost in your own thoughts version. But I certainly think that on the whole, opening a phone in any situation is has a lot more potential to be rude. So we were not trolling, perhaps we were perhaps we were in it articulate in some fashion. Um I mean, I personally think going rude blast through the norms and go and write in your notebook and be happy with what you write. Cause you're going to, if you're in a notebook, you're going to create thoughts from your own mind. You're not going to just absorb and digest and be distracted as much. Or, or if you're going to be distracted, it's by your own stuff you've put in there yourself. So I, I'm all for it. I didn't want to give the impression. I actually thought it was rude or something someone shouldn't do. I think we were talking about survival, Bob. Talking about getting by, keeping our heads low. Well, that's from one day to the next. Keeping our heads low. That's so. Of course, we're gonna endorse right writing in our notebooks because if we didn't, it'd be a strange 
strange time to do it in the history of the podcast. But it's um, brand, yeah. But it, 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 it's hard to abandon the brand. At it this is. Point. It. I think it is about keeping your head down. I gave the example of just you know I was at a pre out meeting and people started mentioning a couple things you might want to do and I was uh, jotting one of them one or two of them down and I just got up it was polite but it was uh, oh you know don't worry uh, we'll send a list out um I heard that a couple times when I was jotting the things down um See, because that's a note-taking scenario that I think they they were just having an odd overreaction no so okay but but I actually think that that is not completely unusual reaction and as we were talking about it just now i thought i've seen so many times at conferences where people want the attendees to take notes but they will also stop to assure them that they don't need to write it down because they will be getting a copy of the slides too and and the odd thing is is i'm sure that when's the last time when's the last time you got some slides and we're like oh yes well, it's funny Time you to say crack that. Open. That's no, that is so. I want part of my job is putting on conferences. If we do a, a webinar and we send out a recording, I will inevitably get a email from someone who would prefer the slides over the recording. Uh, so I get that Bob, all the time. If you preferred the slides <laughs> over the recording, I apologize ahead of time. Yeah. But who are all these people opening all these slides all the time three weeks after the the event is done? Because it ain't me. Yeah. No, it's I'll not. You, I'll tell you it's that. It's not me either. But I I also think that the person, the front of the room, assuring you that you'll be getting the slides and you don't have to write it down, is also the person who does want you to take notes on what's happening. But the, yeah. so there's some sort of it's that keeping your head down, and as soon as you start taking notes, you do draw attention. I, I guess I don't want to say whenever you start taking notes, but you do draw attention. It's it's all these social cues. I mean, I I impulsively like for the entire time we've been recording this, I've been doodling and jotting notes and opening and closing my pen and flipping around like. <clears throat> to to ask me to put everything away and stare at you is a is actually like to to ask me to do something unnatural and uncomfortable. It's not like a benefit because I'm never I'm never gonna look at those slides, man. Right. I might even think, oh, I'll look at those slides later, but I'm not going to. One opposite. Unless I need to do my own presentation and I'm just need to steal some slides real quick. <laughs> oh yeah, that might be it. That might be why it. the people are asking for the slides. Um, <laughs> that reminds me, I was at a meeting in Poland once, and there was a guy given. Um, there was a Polish man giving a speech on marketing. He was a web designer, and he was using American colloquialisms. So I started googling the text in his slides, and I found the slides from the American designer that he stole from in the middle of his presentation. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> that that son of a gun sure did ask for the slides after the after that American's presentation was over. Yeah, I told him that I found the guy and emailed the guy um, during his presentation. Um, I just like, told him privately, one on one. Did you come up with the title of your presentation? Hey, now you're an all star. <laughs> that that's your original. That's your deal. Okay, all right. Hey, you know what? To each his own. Just make sure you send me those slides at the end. Yeah. I, I don't know where this is in the note taking out a notebook equation, but there's some weird like 
algebra that if you're on a Zoom call with someone and you start taking notes by hand and they notice you using a pen and looking to the side, respect. I think you get respect for that if you're on a if you're mm. on a video call and you start taking like handwritten it. notes. Something has canceled something else out. Well, let me um, let me suggest this. When someone is staring intently directly at the conference or, you know, like the screen or whatever, <laughs> yeah. they are 100% absolutely reading an email from somebody else <laughs> right. while you're talking. Done it's a... impossible to stare that intently unless you are reading something. They've done a really good job of, like, dangling a camera right in front of their monitor. Seriously. So it makes sense that, like, being a little aloof, a little mysterious suggests that you might there might actually be a chance that you're paying attention to what they're saying. It's the classic, uh, you know, kid in the in the smoking cigarettes outside who's got hidden depths, even though he appears to not care about what's going on. He's actually reading poetry. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> It's real. What poetry? It's real. No, Jess. It's <laughs> real. Jess on uh, Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Oh yeah, the yeah. worst character on that show. Was he? I thought so. Okay. Dean was, but the the Jess Dean combination, I I always despised. I take either one of them over Logan Huntsberger. Let's do this again next week, Adam. What do you say? I really like that album, Tiger Lily, and I've been trying to think of the names of all those songs, and I've listened to it fairly recently, and I've blinked on all. I couldn't do a Natalie Merchant callback the entire show. <laughs> I wish I could help you, but I cannot. I'll post it on our Twitter, Take No Pot. Yeah, because people haven't had much of a chance to to find that album in the 20-some-odd years that it's been out, but Godspeed. You can find us on the internet... Our URL is takenote.space. URLs are getting increasingly strange, so I don't feel I have to explain ours anymore. Just try it. It'll take you there. It'll be nice. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at takenotepod. If you find it in your heart to support a show that has been free for 164 episodes, you enjoy the topics, you enjoy... Uh, disconnecting a little bit, uh, listening to a couple people rap, and then you know some some great guests over the years. Uh, you can support us on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/take note. And as always, to the people who already support us, it's amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, it's more than we could ever really imagine, and uh, it goes deeply appreciated. Take care. Really, 40% of this episode, I was just thinking about uh, the lyrics to the Natalie Merchant song that I can't think of the name of. <laughs>